0: Good morning. This is Bakes, Kevin Baker with Bakes Takes. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is for the weekend, uh, Saturday, July 4th. Hope you had a great Independence Day. Uh, let's get right to it. Uh, first, uh, fan mail from Harry in Houston. Thank you so much. Number two, uh, Chart Mania, Catch It, Uranium. I know what you're thinking. Every podcast covers uranium. Well, I'm going to do it too. Uh, third, uh, The Last Monty Python reference maybe uh george harrison mortgaged his house for five million dollars and he financed the life of brian and i think it's interesting and once again i know you hear that on every podcast but you're going to hear it on mine uh first bakes take fan mail calls uh mike uh, has a great response from harry in houston we answered some questions about yeah. oil last week yeah. and here he is i mean i just want to share it with people uh harry thank you so much really appreciate your support Uh, Bakes, really appreciate you taking the time to shed light on the recent write-downs. That's about Exxon, geopolitical affairs, and much more in relation to oil and gas. In your latest podcast, I picked up Bakes Takes around a month ago from a post-Jack, my great son, shared on social media. My other great son, Bobby, was here a little while ago. It has been a great way for me to recap current events, broaden my investment horizon. I really appreciate how you not only speak to the content that you share, but you also provide visuals. I started as a strict listener, but now find myself watching each episode because I am interested in seeing the charts you display. Thank you, Harry, and ha- thank you, Harry. Uh, and this is exactly why I teamed up with Mike because having audio only for what I do wasn't getting the job done. And we want to show, uh, we want to be able to encapsulate a lot of information in half an hour. And we had some other great responses too. Uh, Harry, again, thank you, and, uh, and and please share and 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 uh, uh, share with all your friends. Uh, Sean in Florida uh, called me out of the blue. He was an IR person. I haven't talked to him in eight years, and he came up to say nice things about the podcast. Mike, uh, Mark from Maryland, haven't talked to him in three years. Wow. He wants us to go after Dave Portnoy. I'm not sure I <laughs> want to do that. Uh, uh, and uh, James, another one of Jack's friends down in Pennsylvania, yeah. came across from LinkedIn, and he's a fan. That's fantastic. So we're growing, and, yeah. and keep it coming. And please give me ideas, thoughts, complaints, criticisms, because I love this stuff. Uh, as you know, his uh, chart mania. This is my first segment, if you will. Uh, S and P five hundred. It's the same old story, the same old song and dance to all my Aerosmith friends out there. Uh, it's above the 200-day and the 50-day moving averages. That's a positive. And the negative. I know I sound like a broken record. Is the volume is light on the up days? That pink, those pink bars down at the bottom bug me. So yes, it's up. It's down for the year, but not much. I mean, it's basically break even. But I don't like the 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 light volume on the up days. You go to to the Dow which you know has less of the tech names and has the older Boeings and what have you in it. And this doesn't look so good. This is below the 200-day moving average, and it's got the same volume component uh, uh, where the, the volume is, is light on the up days and vice versa, and it just feels tired. Um, so here we go. Uh, the Qs, this is the NASDAQ 100, and this is, the, this is positive because you have new highs, and it's Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, and they're great companies, expensive, but great companies, and, uh, but again, the volume is, is unimpressive, and I am maybe, you know, I'm too dyed in the wool on this, but I don't like the volume acting the way it is, okay, uranium, I went through 1700 charts over the weekend, and, uh, and I want this to be a crowdsource experiment to a certain extent, uh, I'm not going to lawyer up or anything, but we're all big boys and girls. I don't have a degree from the Colorado School of Mines. I'm not an expert on uranium, but I do know how to read a chart. And uranium is basing, and I want to hear your input about anything you come across on uranium. This is the daily. It's a pretty nice-looking chart. I've got fundamental reasons for that I'll go into, but this is literally uh, what I just came up with over the weekend. So I'm just starting to unveil this story. Uh, uh, URA is the ETF. Uh, this is the monthly, and I like to use the monthlies to to show the, the historical context o- over the long term. And I encourage you, when you look at charts, to first look at the axes to see what kind of period of time you're looking at. Uh, and my son, Jack, also mentioned the explaining ETFs what an etf is it's simply the market demanded to have the ability to trade a portfolio of stocks like a single stock during the market hours of 9 30 to 4 so back in the old days it was all mutual funds all the time it's a portfolio of stocks and at four o'clock they set the price and that's when you could you could uh, uh, buy or sell at that day now If you want to trade between 9.30 and and 4, you can do so. And that's all it is. That's what the ETF is. This is the Global X Uranium Index uh, ETF. uh, Follows uranium stocks, not the metal itself. so, So watch out for that. But it it launched at the the peak at 134, descended to 11 right now over the last 10 years. But now you see this line that's here, it's breaking above the three-year downtrend. And not decisively yet, not massively yet, but I'm interested. And then I go, okay, what's going on with uranium? Financial Times reports that it uh, enters a bull market after COVID-19 hits the supply of one of the miners, has a Tomprom which i believe is in Russia slash production and then you see what happens in this next uh, next level that's uh, uh uh covid hits really hits in late march and then uh the the you know, the price of uranium rips now i want to go into this again this is a one year uranium chart so always look for the time frame and then look for the price. This doesn't start at zero, they, they start the chart at 24, which is very unusual, it's kind of quirky. So it's a big move, but it isn't as big as it first looks, this big mountain over here, but it's up 34% year to date. And there are almost no commodities that I, I, there are no commodities that are up anything like that right now. And so uh, let's keep digging. I look at what the what the ETF holds. And again, an ETF is an exchange traded fund that holds stocks. It can hold other things, but for the sake of argument, let's keep it simple. It holds stocks. In this case, it holds stocks that have some uh, production of uranium. The first stock is, is Kamiko. It is 19%, uh, 20% of the portfolio. The second one is Kazatomprom, which has the production problem. More on that. And then uh, Barrick Gold, which I don't think produces a heck of a lot of uranium, but I like gold too, is number three, that's 45% of the fund. So what I like about ETFs is that if you're wrong on one of the stocks within your theme, i.e. a miner has a major problem due to the pandemic, it doesn't hurt the overall portfolio all that much. Plus, you have the daily liquidity of, of being able to trade a stock Whenever the heck you want. Did I say that clearly, Mike? Very clearly. Okay. You you actually helped me understand quite a bit just, just listening to that that, you know, the, the safety of an ETF is what, kind of what you're getting at, right? That there's a it's safer than a single stock where if that one stock was falling yeah. apart, you'd fall apart. That there's there's safety in this diversification, right? Exactly. Okay. So so that, that if you have a problem child, you know by the way, the the, the second stock has a Tomprom? Doesn't look all that bad, even with their production mm-hmm. problems. More disclosures. I don't know the extent of the of the, of the production uh, problems now, how that comes on board, what's going on demand. But uh, I'm pretty intrigued with uh, anything that goes up 34% in this year. Uh, obviously, uranium is used uh, in, uh, in nuclear energy, and um, uh, apparently... The the uh, baseloads of that are very difficult to to bring down dramatically. Coal and natural gas tends to be de-emphasized first. Uh, so anyway, um, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. I haven't pulled the trigger yet. Uh, I like the quirkiness of it. I like the fact that the other podcasts don't touch on this. Mm-hmm. And stay tuned, and there's going to be more on this next week. Thanks. Oh, here's a tip. This is Bakes tactic, if you will, or Bakes tip. Uh, uh, when you're following a, a, a new idea, go to Google alerts and plug in the term that you're looking for uranium, Tesla, soybeans, whatever the heck it is. Now, what happens is obviously the Google alert goes out and looks for all the stories related to, uh, uranium in this case, there's a lot of chaff, but there's also some wheat. And so you're going to be alerted automatically to your email about stories around uranium. And I've already done it, and uh, I'm going to, uh, you know, be keeping an eye out on on, on how this progresses. But uh, the price just jumped three months ago, and uh, we'll see what the, how if how sustainable the long-term trend is. All right, my next big stake, reporters of the week. This is uh, Amer Seifong. And uh, it's unbelievable. I went to the chart first, and then I went to Barron's, and I see this. There she's talking about uh, commodities hit by a perfect storm, except for this one, and it's uranium. So demand for nuclear power hasn't dropped dramatically due to COVID-19. Uh, most reactors operate as, as uh, baseload power suppliers, so they're the, usually the last taken off the grid. That's according to Jonathan, Jonathan Hins. Uh, uh, president of the nuclear fuel consultancy, UXC, didn't know that. Uh, Coal and natural gas are much more negatively affected. So nuclear utilities have not really seen a reduction in their near-term needs for nuclear fuel. HINZ expects uranium demand to be relatively robust for the next 6 to 12 months. So stay tuned. I think this is going to be really interesting. Uh, Fan questions of the week. Uh, This comes, again, from uh, my son Jack's uh, class uh, that runs the part of the Bucknell investment portfolio. And I forgot who brought this. I'll I'll, I'll clear that up down the road. But they asked about Pfizer. And so here's what's going on. Uh, When anybody comes in with an idea, even if they are died dyed-in-the-wool fundamentalists, they tend to look at the chart, as I did. I look at this chart, and my first reaction is, eh, dead money. Uh, there's a COVID pop over here on that big volume, but it couldn't push it meaningfully above resistance most recently, as you see. So keep the, the COVID pop in in context. Uh, so then there's this next story with Investors Business Daily. Allison Ga- uh, Gatlin uh, writes, uh, Pfizer sales declined 4% last year to $51.75 billion uh uh, in the past nine years they've had annual sales growth only twice in two years and both of those times were single digits so not exciting eight drugs are billion dollars plus they're blockbusters uh uh, top sellers included a a pneumonia vaccine a cancer drug and a blood thinner uh, that they partnered with bristol myers three drugs at 29 percent of total revenue all three posted year-over-year gains Sales of a pneumonia vaccine, Prevnar 13, inched up 1% to $5.85 billion. Revenue from anticoagulant Eliquis popped 23% to $4.22 billion. Cancer treatment Ibrance generated $4.96 billion in sales, up 20%. But older drugs are struggling. Uh, established brands and, and uh, drugs-facing generics uh, uh, plunged 18% to $10 billion, uh, uh, last year. Pfizer is soon to combine its Upjohn unit with Mylan to establish a new pharma company called Viatris. Fibromyalgia treatment Lyrica uh, in Viagra, you know what that does, took the biggest hits. Uh, Lyrica sales tumbled 33%. Revenue from Viagra slipped 22%. uh, Both hit by generics. Analysts are looking for 288 in earnings. This year, down 2.4%. Sales are expected to fall 10%. Upjohn merger with Mylan helps account for smaller sales. Um, Pfizer has a JV for a consumer healthcare business that that's, uh, uh, incorporates their o- over-the-counter products. Uh, under this deal, Pfizer owns 32% and Glaxo GlaxoSmithKline owns 68% of the JV. Glaxo's planning to spin off that combined business later this year. Uh, and the reason for the pop recently is Pfizer and BioNTech uh, are still working on a coronavirus vaccine. In March, Pfizer popped 17% in a single day after the collaboration was announced The companies will work together outside of China. The coronavirus vaccine relies on the body's own machinery to produce a specific substance meant to ignite an immune response, similar to what Moderna does with their RNA, mRNA technology, messenger RNA technology. In early May... Pfizer and BioNTech dosed the first participants in a test of the coronavirus vaccine. In early June, the Trump administration's Operation Warp Speed reportedly select their candidate to be one of the five most likely to succeed. This month, researchers unveiled first results of that coronavirus test. Uh, The end of the phase one and phase two are in healthy volunteers. It did generate more antibodies, than patients previously recovered from COVID-19, but there were some side effects at, at mid-size and high-level doses. Further, the paper has yet to be peer-reviewed, and uh, how many patients? I don't know at this time. Uh, bakes take. Uh, why Pfizer? There's there's hundreds of stocks to to examine, to, to include in the portfolio. Uh, I think it's probably cheap, but I don't see positive change. And so I would look elsewhere unless there's something that I'm missing from what I just described, lackluster growth, no big products coming up. The coronavirus, uh, when that appears, there's going to be at least one or two other competitors. What can they charge for that, given the government support that's been been lavished upon them? So I'm not as, as, as optimistic, and especially a coronavirus vaccine is going to mean very little for a Pfizer that is a multi-billion dollar sales company. So there we go. I hope that was helpful. You let me know. I want to have your feedback. Please subscribe, review, and share my Bakes Takes podcast on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred platform. Please also subscribe to my Bakes YouTube channel. The audio is the same, but the charts that I reference are on the screen. Follow us on Twitter at Bakes Takes underscore and other social media. Please use your voice memo app. Tape your questions and email to Bakes at com or write if you'd prefer. I will also keep you anonymous if you'd like. Thank you for listening. Mike Wilson is my producer. Have a great week. This is Bakes. Uh, I screwed up the uh, show notes and put the links in improperly, so that's my bad. Uh, I am going to give you one more dose of Money Python. I mentioned George Harrison his House for $5 million to finance the life of Brian. And I think we all owe him a debt of gratitude. The Netflix document is great, and I still recommend it. And uh, Larkin Poe, uh, I just want to have the link out there so that people can access it. Two very talented ladies, Rebecca and Megan. And uh, in this era of madness, they set up a very clever concert in a bowling alley in Nashville that I want to share with you. So see you soon. See you next week. Take care.